0: Welcome everybody to Taking the F Out podcast, uh, wrestling and entertainment podcast to be more precise. Introducing your host, the enigmatic, Mr. Dan Crusher. Couldn't blow steam up my arse anymore, could I really by introducing myself like that? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I'm probably better well known to the majority of you as uh christian osgood moment 24 on twitter but yes um it is i mr christian and i am here with a new venture that i'm doing a uh, wrestling podcast um it's it's a bit of a strange one isn't it wrestling has always been something something i've had a keen interest in um, obviously, I do a football podcast, more specifically a Liverpool podcast, uh, with a lot of close friends of mine, Cop and Fracas. If you if if you don't know, now you know. Um, and of course, if you are a Liverpool fan, please please do go check us out, um, Cop and Fracas on Twitter. But yeah, it's it's something that I've never really considered doing, because I've always thought that the market for wrestling podcasts is, is is fairly saturated. And and to be quite honest with you. Not to, not to disparage anyone else who does wrestling podcasts, etc., but 80% of all the other wrestling podcasts are done by fairly niche individuals. So, yeah, that's not the vibe you're going to get here. It's going to be a very, very chill, laid-back laid vibe. And I'll talk through the format and what you can expect from this podcast and just the, the overall features going forward a little bit later on. But, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy to be doing this. Um, it's been a really short turnaround, considering I only came up with the idea last week. Um, and a fair few of my listeners, like you know, I quizzed and asked them what they wanted from this pod, and just first and foremost, if the demand was there, and it appears that it is. So here I am, here I am, giving you my opinions on mainly WWE. Let's not, let's not, let's be real. Um, I only have time to watch WWE. Um, I'll try and fit in some AEW there, and of course New Japan when it is uh, mainly a pay-per-view, more than anything. But yeah, um, another reason why I've, I've definitely wanted to do this, you know, where we are in the midst of, of a global pandemic and one of the only bright spots of this pandemic has been the fact that we've had wrestling in our lives to kind of take kind of take our minds off it. It's It's a really strange one that everything else has stopped. We had all sports stopped. Thankfully, thankfully they're all back up again now. Most, the, the vast majority of them. We have NFL around the corner. Looking forward to that. But, yeah, wrestling was the only consistent that kept going. and uh, You have to give a lot of credit to, to all the promotions, you know, WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, when they got back up and running again. And, it's been, it's been strange seeing wrestling with no fans, first and foremost, because, when you take away the fans from wrestling, you, you, you kind of do realise how much the fans really do feed into everything. The, the, the general the, the emotion, what's going on in the ring, how it just feeds back, especially in tag team matches as well, when let's say you've got the New Day in one corner, you've got Big E doing New Day rocks, New Day rocks. And yeah, it's been, been really strange watching about the crowds, but WWE Thunderdome has been quite the experience so far as well. Um, with the virtual fans and um, how they got it all up and running in an actual arena and it looks absolutely superb let's not be around the bush it looks it looks phenomenal and I'm just glad to have it back and and yeah and, and I'm hoping that everyone is keeping safe keeping safe and sound the sound part especially because um, you can never tell it's the most important thing by keeping safe and sound but yeah I, it's really spurred me on and to, to, to do this and it's I've, I think I've been consuming more wrestling than ever, <laughs> if that is possible from a WWE point of view, over these last few months. So it's driven me, to, it's, let's say driven me, it's enabled me to, to put my voice out on this platform. And, you know, hopefully a fair few people listen. If not, it's completely understandable. But I think I'm a charismatic individual. I guess I will tell, considering I'm, the original plan was to do this solo, but I'm thinking I have no idea if I can still a podcast for about 30-40 minutes going solo. So let's tap into the, the format and the aspects of this pod. Of course, taking the F out. We all know where that comes from. The WWE rebrand from WWF to WWE. And it was the, the big marketing campaign, I thought. Instead of scrounging around for a very cheesy name, like Inside the Cage or something, something of that ilk. Let's not. Let's go for something a little bit more substantive. Let's go for something a little bit more meaning. And taking the F out was a a massive transition point for for the company. So hopefully, this podcast can be a massive transition point for for wrestling podcasts everywhere. Who knows? Let's see. But yeah, um, again, the original format was supposed to be myself filling up, filling up a long period of time talking and talking and talking and hopefully not waffling on. So that will not happen uh, there will there will be guests and there will be more than likely a three-man panel a three-man announce booth the Spanish announce table if you will which seemingly always gets destroyed during Wrestlemania time it's always the Spanish announce table it's never Funaki and the Japanese announce table I'd love it to be Funaki and the Japanese announce table just because why not maybe it makes a nice change so, yeah, for, for going, going forward, there'll be more than likely myself and, and two other people or one other person on the pod talking about the weekly review for WWE. Uh, in terms of when you can see this podcast coming out, Saturdays or Sundays will probably be the main the main days um, as that's pretty much the only time I'm available to do these at the moment, uh, being back at work. So, yeah. But they might be fortnightly or they might be fortnightly and... On the Monday of every pay per view, so let's see, let's play by here, and we'll see how we're doing going forward. But there will be some interesting video content coming around, and it's something I'm really, really trying to put a bit of a marker on. So there'll be little things where I want to interview a few of my friends, um, just in terms of you know their favorite matches. Currently in the process of putting all this together, so please do bear with me once I get this off the ground and running. But yeah, I did promise. I, I promised the podcast today. Monday, the thirty-first of August, two thousand and twenty, based around WWE Payback,
1: which was this weekend, which was last night, and was a phenomenal, phenomenal pay-per-view. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward. To, yeah, I, I'm just really looking forward to doing this. I'm trying to hope that I'm not waffling
0: on explaining what we're going to be doing here on the pod. But no, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun and. I've already put in a little bit of groundwork. I'm trying to secure some guests, some indie wrestlers, um, and some WWE legends as well. So um, I know that I've put the picture out there of me uh, having a very good conversation with Seth Rollins that I had last Monday with the Monday Monday Night Messiah, the King Slayer, the Architect himself, Seth Rollins last Monday, which was awesome. Um, And contrary to popular belief. You know, the internet would have you believe because of one Hell in a Cell match and his comments against some assholes. basically. Let's be real. Will Ospreay, great wrestler. Probably not the nicest guy. Seth's right. Um, yeah, could not have been a nicer guy. Really good, charismatic gentleman. And it just makes you want to roof for him more. So, yeah. I may preview a little bit of that, of that conversation I had with Seth because I'm still waiting to get some of the audio back from WWE. As it does need to be cleared. So, now, pretty awesome stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm trying to tap in. Shout out to Sweetie for that one. Uh, for some guests going forward, and I've got a good, few good leads. So let's just see where that goes. Let's, and let's just see where that where that goes from here. But I feel like I'm waffling on with the introduction of the pod. Uh, it'll be less waffling on the um, <laughs> on the on the actual pod where we get this kicked off, and I can to get the. The free man announce booth really nailed down, but I know who I'm gonna have on for the next one for sure, and it will definitely be, definitely be entertaining 100%. Some really cool cats and characters I've got coming on in the pipeline, anyway. So, yeah, without further ado, let's kick into it. Let's kick into WWE Payback, which was last night. And I have to say, SummerSlam I thought was a brilliant pay per view. I thought, you know, it was really entertaining that you know, the main event. A Lot of the undercard matches are really cool, they're really good. I mean you look at last night's pay-per-view and it it's really weird. It blew SummerSlam out of the water for me. It was end-to-end stuff throughout the duration of this of this pay-per-view. So I don't want to touch on I I, I, I wanna to touch on the <laughs> before we talk, before we before we actually get into the pay-per-view itself, on the kickoff show it really showcased why JBL is a massive asshole and why people do think he's a bit of a brick. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt that he was absolutely slewing Peter Rosenberg, who, I mean, let's be real, just an annoying guy in general. So I can cut him a bit of slack on that. But one of the highlights of the kickoff show, definitely for me, was R-Truth coming in and doing his normal (laughs) normal act. So what a guy, man, R-Truth. You have to love that. You have to love that gentleman so much. Um... But yeah, let's let's kick into the, the match that was on the prelim show. So this was a women's tag team match between the what the Riot Squad, not the riot Squad, um Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan against the iconics, but the and Peyton Royce. Didn't last that long. It was it was under ten
1: minutes. Probably wasn't the greatest match, in all honesty. Um especially when you can when we compare it to the women's tag team match that it was late in the evening, the levels were generally staggering. Yeah when you compare
0: the two, but I, yeah, I don't want to touch on it that much. Um, it was a well-earned and well-good push for both Ruby Riot and more importantly, Liv Morgan and Highfall kind of got lost in the shuffle after her kind of rebrand when she came back into WWE. Um, so I'm looking to sort of see where they go with that going forward. Possibly they may continue the tag team. Her team aspects of things, but I was very much looking forward to seeing Liv Morgan as a solo soloist competitor. She's she's got something about her where you can definitely tell that. Athletically, she's really good in the ring. She's got a fairly good personality out of it. It's just finding her niche within that. I'm not gonna say crowded women's division, but there's tears when you look at it. Really, you you have that top tier. You have that it's just slight tier underneath. And then the mid card tier where she currently sits in. So getting those two jumps to where she needs to be, it's going to be a little bit of a long road. And if she keeps progressing on the road, she's going. No doubt, there's a future world women's champion there. But but for the moment, tag team division with her and Ruby Riot is the way forward for sure. And I'm glad they both got the push really because they they definitely deserve it. They didn't get the opportunities I thought that they deserved when they were actually the Riot Squad and Sarah Morgan was there. But no, it'll be good to see what. The gist of that is going to, going to be going forward. I'm looking forward to seeing their development more as a duo tag team instead of a trio. So that's actually kicking to the main, the main card. So show show kicked off, and it was the defending United States champion Apollo Cruz, who's been awesome, who's been on an awesome run lately. I have to say, it's good to see him getting the push he rightfully deserves. Um, in WWE at the moment, I do think there's room for him to probably set up a little bit of a click, in all honesty, uh, with himself, possibly Cedric Alexander, and Mustafa Ali, also known as Ali, for some reason. I have no idea why WWE keep doing this, where they keep reverting everyone's names to single names, like Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy, he's now Murphy. It's, It's like, he's Australian, he's not Irish, so, what the fuck? But, um, but yeah, it was really it's been good to see Apollo get that, get that push because he's been a guy who's been on the periphery for a while. And he's got amazing feats of athleticism and his mic work, he's really good as well. That's one of the underestimated parts of Apollo Cruz's game. But he was going up against the Almighty. A new lease of life for the Almighty, Bobby Lashley, I will I will say. He's been ever since MVP, I, let me just go on a little bit of an MVP. MVP praise since this guy has come back into the company ever since Royal Rumble when you know he people are talking the Rumble my word this guy with the managerial abilities the, you know, the segments cutting promos he's been absolutely superb and it's been so good to see him sign uh, you know, a more long term contract with WWE and then setting up the click, click of the hurt business with Bobby Lashley being the main person in there And then bringing Shelton Benjamin into the fold as well. Shelton Benjamin, who he's got to be a, what, a 14, 15 year WWE veteran at this point? And has got a new lease of life. Albeit going up against our truth. But but still, being in that clique with Bobby Lashley, and MVP, is going to do wonders for him going forward. Because it just gives him a lot more screen time uh, going forward on Monday Night Raw. And he's going to be in the picture a lot more. So he's going to be in people's, he's going be in people's minds, he's going to be in people's recall, especially when, you know, the target demographic for Raw. Let's uh, be real. Raw's demographic is probably a little bit more teenager-based than SmackDown's demographic. I think SmackDown's demographic is more aimed towards... Well, SmackDown is more PG. Let's be real. SmackDown is PG. It's on Fox now. They want that to have accessibility to all the age ranges, the all, all the age groups. And you can see that definitely with the cast of characters they've got on them. But with Shelton Benjamin, it's definitely good for him to kind of get that recall in with that age group on Raw and hopefully it's trickled down to SmackDown as well because you go back and look at some of the classic intercontinental matches that Shelton Benjamin was in and some of the tag team matches as well. This guy was unreal. If you Like when I was about 15, 16, this guy was unreal. Just a true, true athletic competitor and was doing some stuff that was absolutely insane. So it's good to see him definitely get back in the fold. But let's go into the match itself. Bobby Lashley ended up winning. At Apollo Crews and it was a fair slog there was lots of opportunities where Apollo Crews did did the typical rallying back that you get from the babyface that type of matches where Bobby Lashley is the heel um, and you knew kind of from that second kick out that it wasn't going to happen it wasn't going to be Apollo's night and that Bobby was more than likely going to win but he got some retribution in the end that's for sure um, and I loved that I loved seeing that little bit of a a little bit of a jolt from Apollo Crews there. It really showcased his character that he wasn't just one dimensional. It had a little bit of a mean streak towards him as well. That was really cool to see from him. And it opens up a lot more possibilities for him going forward. It's just one of the things that you definitely, definitely want to see. Uh, it really showcased him as more of a. You, you, see, you see Apollo Crews, and he's this guy, he's always smiling, he's always happy, he's never pissed off. And seeing him snap after the match and being pissed off, it was awesome. It was really cool to see that he's got that edge to him. That place where he can go to where he's pissed off. That he's just dropped the title. So, yeah, it was really good to see that edge. It was a really good match as well. Um, Bobby Lashley, he did, he did the normal full suplex and Apollo had to, he had to submit at the end of the day. So, it'd be interesting to see where this goes now because, obviously, MVP – the most illustrious dominant reign as a US champion in WWE history. So it'll be good to see what the dynamic is in that team going forward with MVP. More than likely trying to look back at how he can take back his, as, as uh, R-True says, his baby. So that would be very interesting to see what happens there going forward. And again, I'm, I'm hopeful that Apollo is he's looking for some revenge. And then he can do that click that I suggested earlier with Mustafa Ali. And hopefully, Hopefully, Cedric Alexander, who hasn't had that much screen time, I definitely want to see him on a lot more. The athleticism is truly staggering when he was in those cruiserweight matches with, with Mustafa Ali as well. So, yeah, let's see where that goes going forward. So, let's move on to the second match of the evening. And this, uh, I, I love this guy to, to the moon and back. Big E, Big E Langston is possibly one of the greatest charismatic characters we've ever had in WWE. I had to see his rant on Talking Raw. Not Talking Raw, Talking Smack. Who's Talking Raw? Um, a few weeks ago. It was truly something when you see that passion. I don't know whether that was a shoot. I don't know if that was something that was um, that was unplanned. But the way he played off Miz, what Miz said, and the emotion he went to, the depth of emotion to... No, we weren't supposed to be here. They told us it was never going to work. I should be on the unemployment line. But I believed in myself. I counted on myself. And I delved into the personality they didn't want me to show. And he said, I've been that, that mute goon for AJ Lee and Dolph Ziggler. I've been that guy. It got me nowhere. So why would I change it now to get to where I need to go? I completely agree with him. One of the most appealing things about Big E in WWE. And in general, I mean, you look at the guy's social media feeds, you look at what he does on Cameo, this guy lives to entertain. This guy lives to make people's lives a little bit... What's the word? A little bit more enjoyable day on and day in, day out and day in, day in, day out. Oh, my God, I'm waffling. (laughs) This is this one I'm worried about. But, yeah, that's that's just who he is. He's a happy-go-lucky guy, and he's always going to take his chance. And he was up against someone who was a grizzled, grizzled veteran who was a WWE champion multiple times, WWE heavyweight champion as well, in Sheamus. It was great. I was a little bit concerned. I was very, 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 very concerned that after that shoot and that thing he did with The Miz on Talking Smack, that he was going to drop this match and then he was going to have to reform his character and be corporate Big E. None of the frying pancakes. None of the groin twisting. None of the big meaty men. Pause. <laughs> Still one footage videos I've ever seen. Bumping meat. Um, none of that. Taking all of that comedic element to him. Gone. But no. He was awesome in that match. And Sheamus was awesome in that match as well. They both played each other off each other really, really well. And I guess that's to be expected when you you consider the battles that they've had as tag team competitors in the past as well. But I am 100% here for the Big E solos run. I'm here for it. I'm here for Big E, the intercontinental champion, first and foremost, because I don't see Robin Reigns. We'll get into that later on. But I don't see the Universal Championship
1: becoming apparent in the far future. And that's a shame for Otis as well. He needs to cash that in on the tag team championships. SmackDown
0: as soon as possible because there ain't no way, ain't no way, Big fella, that you're getting that felt. We'll talk talk more about
1: that later on. But yeah, Big E. I'm a big proponent of Big E, the tag team wrestler. Big E the man. Big E the
0: activist as well, which I have to say, him and Kofi, what they've been doing in terms of raising awareness in WWE and the educational aspects they've been trying to do on TV as well. And with their own individual social media has been nothing short of inspiring and it makes you want to root for them even that little bit more so it's just good to see that they're
1: great individuals as well as being great in-ring performers too I love. I also love the bit as well um, after the match when Biggie won
0: you can see the intensity the look in his face I mean Big E is a, a fucking unit. That guy is, my god. that guy should be lining up as some form of defensive end in the NFL. Uh, oof. And he, when he just shouted at Corey Graves, if you don't feel that, you don't feel me.
1: You don't feel that,
0: you don't feel me. I also love that Corey Graves complained about having being assaulted by ring gear. I like he's not being assaulted by pancakes the entire time. Like How is this any different? But that's another thing as well. But they, both of them did such a good job to set up Big e solo run. And you see the fire that goes behind that after he claims that victory and says, I'm here now.
1: This is what's happening. This is what's going to go for me going forward. And it was awesome. It was fucking awesome. And I was glad
0: to see Biggie it's sad to see Big E as a singles competitor in these circumstances because I would have loved to have seen it in the arena Big E with his personality and the way he can get a crowd going, just how funny he is and how serious he can be and how he can get everyone brought into the collective picture, it would have been great to see that with a live audience and it is a shame it's one of the true shames and and that's also translating as well to Uh, I want to touch on Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship reign, which I think has been absolutely phenomenal so far. He's not had a poor match. He's not had a poor moment. He's been a phenomenal WWE Champion so far. And it's a massive credit to him in the circumstances that he's doing it in as well. But again, it's been ruined by not having a crowd because there would have 1,000% been a pay per view
1: over here in England that he would have headlined. So let's just say that. Let's just say that the pay-per-view uh, where he went up against Seth Rollins and that classic, I believe it was Money in the
0: Bank. I'm going to have to get IT on that one to check. But they had, they had such an amazing match on Money in the Bank. So if Money in the Bank would have been in London, or, in that, or if that match in general would have been in London, the place would have gone off because Seth sold him so well in that match. And it was true babyface versus heel stuff. The build-up to it was awesome. And that's the one thing that I'm so sad for, for Drew McIntyre in this moment. That he's not been able to get that feedback from the crowd. Just that collective buy-in. Because it's been an awesome, awesome WWE Championship run.
1: But hopefully he keeps the belt for a little bit longer. I can see him dropping it to Randy. Um,
0: which I'm not necessarily against. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. But, but yeah, I do feel bad for for Drew McIntyre. And I have gone off on a little bit of a tangent here, as opposed to focusing on the card. But the next matchup on WWE Payback was
1: the newcomer, Matt Riddle. The cool, laid-back bro, Matt Riddle, against
0: one of possibly the most hated heel characters of all time. When it's probably not unwarranted because the King Corbin gimmick Has not been the best. I think it's everything about it. It's the outfit. It's the narcissism. It's the entrances. It genuinely makes you dislike the guy. Whereas when you see him as a normal heel, uh, prior to all the Constable Corbin bullshit, that was was awful. That was truly terrible stuff. But but when you see that
1: before, how he operates as a normal heel, I don't think there's anyone better in WWE, on SmackDown especially, than... um, than Baron Corbin as a heel and that match was was, was, in, was insane because they did the, the
0: interview with Matt Riddle beforehand where he looked really pissed off and really stern but when they actually got into the ring Baron Corbin dominated from from the beginning he dominated he, he, whilst Matt Riddle was f- throwing his flip flops into the crowd as he usually does Baron Corbin came over and fucking hammered him with a clothesline is absolutely obliterated the guy. And he dominated for the vast majority of the match as well. But, you know, a few liver kicks in there from Matt Riddle, three, free four moves, won the match. But I'm not really too sure what that does for Matt Riddle going forward because he's been in that inter he's, he, he's been in that intercontinental championship picture for a small while. And obviously we've Jeff Hardy now holding that title, I don't see where he fits in in that going forward because I think that's just going to be slightly more of an ongoing battle for AJ Styles, which is bad for AJ Styles, so I don't know where he goes forward, especially now with Paul Heyman being back on SmackDown, considering what happened with Anderson and Gallows being fired at Paul Heyman's suggestion. It's interesting. Although saying that, Luke Gallows is best thing he's ever done in WWE. He's still being impersonated Kane. It's harsh to say, but it kind of is. I mean, those two even need to make a decision on what they want to do. They do They want to go. Do they want to go and join the anti WWE brigade with um, the revival, the, the artist formerly known as the revival in AEW, or do they want to go straight back to, to New Japan? I think New Japan probably works best for them. because you know they can go back to the Bullet Club and doing what they do what they love best. But yeah, no. Back to back to the um, Baron Corbin Matt Riddle match. I'm not too sure what that did about. Again, I'm not sure what that did from Matt Riddle. Baron Corbin was was great. I'm glad that this King Corbin run is coming to an end swiftly because it needs to. More than likely for him, because you might not like Baron Corbin, the
1: character, the gimmick, but he's fucking awesome as a big man. The guy is like six foot seven, and he can sell. His
0: movement's awesome. He's suspiciously quick, which you can tell from his uh, American football playing
1: background, but I think they just need to take advantage of him and just make him like not a killer, but uh, just make him, just, make, just
0: give him a bit more substance and a bit more purpose going forward in WWE because this guy
1: should have probably won Money in the Bank as opposed to always He should have. And then he should have cashed in on Braun. That's what should have happened. Then he probably drops
0: the Fiend and then you can still have the freeway tie that you had tonight. Baron Corbin deserves a fairly big push in WWE. And he's just not got it. He's just not got it. He's be, he needs to be played up to his strengths. And he's not being played that way at the moment. He's just a like, fickle, annoying heel that you see now in and now in. And he's challenging the new guys and just being this annoyance on the SmackDown brand. And it really irritates people when Baron Corbin comes on TV when he's much more, when the possibilities of Baron Corbin are much more than that. So let's just see what what happens with that going forward. Um, hopefully there's a bit more, bit more in it for him. And let's just hope that Matt Riddle doesn't get buried as a mid card guy because he's got a little bit more more to him than that. Possibly could do with a bit of. Ideally, what you would want is Pete Dunne to come back and then you re reintroduce the weights into SmackDown. The weights versus Shinsuke and Cesaro would be extremely interesting. Extremely interesting. Because they play off each other very, very well.
1: You can have Pete Dunne go up against Shinsuke Nakamura. The King of Strong Style. And then against the King of British Strong Style. That could, that could work. That could definitely, definitely work. And then you have Matt Riddle...
0: Freak athlete going up against Cesaro, an actual fucking freak. The Swiss cyborg
1: himself. So that'd be interesting to see what happens there going forward. Next up next up on the agenda, my god, I have got a lot to go through. Um Well we'll we'll go through this quickly because I just want to touch on a few of the points. Um from from this match.
0: Women's the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship are on the line. Uh, Bailey and Sasha dropped to Shayna and Nia Jax. I'm not a great Nia Jax fan. I, I don't think she endears herself very well. She's a very unsafe worker um, and she has an air of arrogance. I, I'm not too sure if that's
1: actually...
0: Uh, I'll, I'll give it a better doubt. That's not her as a person. That's more of her character. And it comes off really badly that it is her as a person. So that's the thing that they should probably look to do and the whole celebrating after they won the match thing, running around the camera, they really didn't do itself quite well. It's more of a, oh God, why? I mean, this this shouldn't be happening because it was all Shayna Baszler in that match because Shayna Baszler is awesome. Shayna Baszler is a killer. You saw what she did at the Elimination Chamber. It's a shame that she didn't, she wasn't able to pick up the the, uh, the championship at WrestleMania by beating Becky but I understand why they did that with you know, how they handled it with their pregnancy, etc. Um, but yeah Shayna Baszler was fucking awesome she managed to get a double submission using Sasha's arm which was insane Um, And she just came in and cleaned out Shayna Baszler was awesome I wasn't a big Shayna Baszler fan in NXT I thought she was a little bit boring but no that woman is awesome the possibilities also with her are absolutely endless because she could have such a dominant run as a raw, uh, raw women's champion her and Oscar could put on quite the classic so I just hope we just see that going forward. Um, in terms of what this means for Sasha and Bailey going forward. I'm a huge, huge I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks. I think I, I I like Sasha Banks the person and I like Sasha Banks the wrestler as well. Um she deserves such she deserves she just deserves to be pushed to Saturn and back. She deserves that. She deserves a, a lengthy, lengthy title reign that Bailey has had as well. You can see the seeds of the turn coming in. And it would be interesting what they do with that going forward because I don't think you have to. I don't think you can, at this point, make Bailey a face again. It doesn't make sense. She's got too much heat on herself as a heel. She's great as a heel. The whole persona change is absolutely superb. They're two different people. And she's done a fantastic and phenomenal job of being a heel so far. Whether you can make Sasha a face, a heel face, heel face. It's been done before. It can be done. You just pay it off and do it that way. But I think it has to be Sasha who turns on Bailey in a, I'm fed up of this shit, I've had enough. When's it going to be my time? You've had your time. Kind of similar to how Becky snapped on Charlotte. And we all thought that was awesome. And that really propelled Becky from being very much a mid-card player to one of the faces of the company, whether some people like it or not. I think if it played out that way, Sasha would get pushed to the moon and back, Saturn and back, because she deserves to go even further than the moon. She's awesome. She's one of the she's possibly one of the best women's in ring performers ever. And you see what you some of the things you can do in the ring when she does those pop power bombs. Um, I just the general athleticism. She's awesome. Um, I'm sad to see this reboot of the two man power trip come to come to a halt because. It's been awesome. They've been truly dominant over the last four months and they've really carried all three brands on their back to <laughs> a certain extent. They've just been, my wow, they've just been awesome to watch, man. They've just been so, so good to watch. They play on they play each other really well. They've been working the mic tremendously and they've run through pretty much everyone that they can um, during this run, too. So it's been it's been really fun to watch. I still wish that Sasha had some with belt on her. Hopefully she, hopefully she can have a really good match against Bailey at Hell in a Cell. So I'm hoping that she can, and that's one of the things to look on going forward. And in terms of the match itself, it was it was really entertaining. The, the 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 ending when you have like you know someone who's as clinical with submissions as you do with Shayna Baszler, it was fucking awesome. The finish was great you saw the seeds of doubt coming into Sasha and Bailey as soon as they left the ring. And then you've seen today that Sasha says, well, I didn't tap out. And then Bailey just retreated with dude. So you can see that coming. You can see where it's going to go. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But in terms of this, in terms of this tag team currently with Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler, I have no idea how this works going forward. If, if I could have my own way if I was calling the shots Shayna is so fucking awesome that she can submit two people by herself I'd let her carry both tag team belts because she just deserves a belt at this moment of time Shayna Baszler could probably take out the Iconics by herself single-handedly like that could be a match on Raw tonight that she takes out the Iconics single-handedly she could do that she's awesome Uh, yeah I'm a a now Shayna Baszler believer I know I am um, yeah. Match after, the newly debuted Raw, Keith Lee. And there was a lot of hatred about Keith Lee's generic music. It's not great. It, it needs to be the All Baskin's Glory NXT music that we, we've come to love. That needs to be there. But I want to touch, touch on Randall Keith Orton for a moment, if, if, you, if you'll allow me.
1: I am very much here for this legend killer. Psycho, Randy Orton, rebrand in 2020. It's been
0: awesome to see. It's been, it's been, it's been great to watch. Him consistently losing his shit every week has been fucking great. And there was an interview we did a few months ago. I think it was with Corey Graves. And he said, at this stage of his career, when he signed his new contract, he's looking to, pu- he's looking to push and help develop the younger wrestlers in the company forward. Specific names that he mentioned were Mustafa Ali and ricochet it's a shame what has happened with ricochet but when you do when you when you don't have the mic skills that you do um, at this level the opportunity is not going to be going to be limited but yeah Randy Orton has been massively true to his word because I didn't see Keith Lee winning clean as clean as he did against Randy Orton here and using the spirit bomb too shout outs to Keith Lee for naming a move the spirit bomb by the way, Dragon Ball Z, the greatest anime of all time. Go suck your mud out if you disagree. Um, but yeah, huge, huge win. Not an asterisk on it whatsoever. Um, and I know a lot of people complain that they WWE has to raise people up at NXT and not take them anywhere. But you can tell that Keith Lee is going to be pushed to the very, very top. And it could be Keith Lee against Drew McIntyre or Keith Lee against Randy Orton at some point in the near future which, let's be real, I'm all here for, because Keith Lee, 340, with the athleticism that he does have, my God, it's, it's, um, it's, it's scary. And you know what the funny thing is as well? Randy has done exactly what he, one of his mentors has never been able to do, put someone over Triple H. I love Triple H, but let's be real. He's trying to bury as many people as he fucking can. He is, he's Chris Partlow from The Wire burying people in those vacants when they get a little bit of a sniff (laughs) of a push on the main roster. Um, No, because the great thing about this is it it does not hurt him whatsoever one bit. If anything, it just makes him more sadistic and more evil and more driven to beat the living fuck out of Drew McIntyre as he did on last week's Raw, punting him about like five times in the head. So, yeah, man, I'm 1,000% here for Keith Lee getting pushed as much as he has. Uh, so far, and I'm 100% here for Randy Orton just being an absolutely insane person <laughs> on Monday Night Raw, and hopefully becoming a WWE champion again. So let's just see where that, where that goes going forward. One more thing to touch on from that match before I do go on. The chops from Randy Orton. I have not visibly yelped at something for a massive while, and the sound that he was giving off, giving the chops to Keith chest, all three of them. And then Keith Lee came back himself and clapped Randy Orton um, on the chest as well. Granted, it wasn't Walter on Adam Cole because that sounded like a fucking 12-gauge being launched to Adam Cole's chest. But my word, that was some impressive shit, man. That was some impressive, impressive shit. So maybe we get a rematch tonight. Who knows? Let's, let's see where that goes. Um,
1: the penultimate match of the evening. The penultimate match, friend of the pod, um, the Monday
0: Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. He's the disciple Murphy going up against Rey Mysterio and his son Dominic Mysterio. Um, albeit after what I've saw from Dominic in the past few weeks, he maybe maybe he is Eddie's son. I don't know because he's a six-three hybrid of Ray and Eddie, and it's fucking terrifying, considering he's only 23, once he gets that in-ring pace, in-ring pace down, it's quiet for a lot of people, because he's got some limit, limitless potential, much like Keith Lee.
1: The storytelling and the narrative um, for, for this feud going forward has been awesome.
0: It's been absolutely awesome. Every single person involved in this, from Ray, Dominic, Seth, Murphy, The Black at some point, Samoa Joe on commentary, backing up Dominic.
1: It's been it's been awesome. It's been fantastic. Seth V Ray, eye for an eye. Granted, what you think of the you know the stipulation for that match? Great match.
0: Seth V Dominic, stream fight at SummerSlam fucking ruled <laughs> it was awesome everything that went into that match bringing angie into it um handcuffing fucking ray and watching what seth was about to do to his son everything about that match was fantastic and the storytelling the narrative about this entire encounter has been great and it didn't stop last night either last night's match was possibly one of the best in that series the chemistry between all four of them is absolutely superb you can see that they've obviously done a lot of planning going forward, and with with Dominic still being incredibly green around the gills, that there's been a lot of leeway, and you can tell the set's been really good, um, selling Dominic a lot. And by the way, Seth Rollins in this Monday Night Messiah run, holy shit! Ever since WrestleMania and before WrestleMania, the stuff with um stuff with Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, you all missed. We expect you back very soon. You know, the stuff with Kevin Owens, the stuff with Drew McIntyre, and the stuff with Ray, the stuff with Dominic, Alistair Black. It's been awesome. The way he has sold himself as a, as a heel, and the run he's on at the moment, Fuego. Fuego. This guy, this guy, man, he's, he's, good as a, he's good as a face. He's good as a baby face, but he's just stupendous as a heel. He's just awesome. Seth Rollins as a heel is the face of this is, is the best wrestler in this company and the best character in this company by far, and that's just not, and that's not me saying that as a big Seth Rollins fan, he just is. It's just there, it's so
1: evident, it's so blatantly obvious for everyone to see. Um, until we touch on the main event, until we touch on the main event,
0: <laughs> but no man, um, that match was awesome, there was so much good stuff that went through that. The, um, when Seth ordered Murphy to kick Dominic in the head, and then obviously when he clapped Seth in the head instead, that allowed Dominic to roll up the win and get his first win in WWE. The selling from everyone involved was, was just great. The brutality in these matches as well. Because this has been... The, the way they've set this up, obviously, it's a blood feud between both of them. And you can really see that in the match. It looks like, it looks like none of them have held back, especially when you know you are beating the living shit out of everyone with kendo sticks 30 times across the back and chest. Just, they've just been great matches to watch. And a lot of the selling in these you know, a lot of the, the combinations, the moves in this match have been great as well. Um, the, the Falcon Arrow um, that Seth managed to t- turn in from, from Dominic on for crossbody with Murphy's assist was great. It was just, it was just awesome, man. This, this whole thing has been great for both of them. It's really, it's really helped push Dominic to where he wants to be, hopefully, going forward. It's solidified Seth as a, as a godly heel. Uh, pardon the pun, as the modern messiah. And it's going to be interesting to see where this goes forward for, for for a lot of the people involved. As you saw, the, Seth looked at Murphy after the match and was like, you've let me down. And honestly, with Austin Fury, he's actually been killed at this point. Rightfully so. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens there, because Alistair Black had a slight heel turn. Maybe he becomes the new disciple. Let's see. Let's see what happens going forward. Maybe more of a real on broad this evening. But yeah, the ring gear, the in-ring gear as well for this match, for these matches has been great because the Halloween Havoc uh, gear that Seth had on was just, just sensational. Um, and then that brings us to the main event where we're going to close off the pod. Of course, we saw
1: on Friday the Roman Reigns Is now partnered up with Paul Heyman.
0: And at some point in the near future, we are going to hear. Let me try to do my best, Paul Heyman impression. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen,
1: ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, and I am the advocate for the reigning, defending. Universal heavyweight champion, Roman
0: Reigns. Everything about this is what should have fucking happened a while ago. Just embracing Roman as a heel. Not even a heel, as just a badass. Just making, portraying him as a badass. This is what should have happened years and years ago. This is what they should have done with Cena when he was entering that boring run. And we're all sitting there thinking, I'm fed up of him now. And am fed up of goody-two-shoes John Cena. And that, that's what played so well in that Firefly Funhouse match was when they had John Cena as leading a new school NWO, which would have been fucking awesome to see. But yeah, let's just let's be thankful that they pulled the trigger now rather than never. So the match started out with Bray Wyatt, the fiend, making his it's just a brilliant entrance. It's, it's the best entrance in WWE by far. Uh, to the ring. It just it's captivating every single time that he does it. Every time he, every time he does that ring entrance, your eyes are glued. Because it's just... The way it looks in the Thunderdome as well, especially, the red lighting, the, the animatronics, it's just phenomenal. It's just great. Um, he got to the ring, the belt around his neck, the stills from that uh, that you can probably find on Twitter are phenomenal. They're great. Um... Got in the ring, obviously, Braun Strowman comes in like a house on fire. They just go back and forth, beating the living shit out of each other. Because what we have to remember is, this was a Noah Hall's bar. Both of them went through the table. <laughs> the announce table. Um, not the Spanish announce table, unfortunately. Funaki probably wasn't there. We haven't seen him for a while. We miss you, Funaki. We want you back soon. Um, but yeah, they were beating the living shit out of each other to the point where they were outside the ring, they were on the, what's the word I'm looking for, the gantry, the entrance. And then they got themselves back into the ring. <laughs> and then the superplex, to see the ring explode. And you see Charles Robinson go flying out of the ring as well. That just, it was just fucking funny to It was just, it was just funny to see. Um, because you knew that was going to happen at some point and then they were still duking it out on the ring whilst the ring was broken but then you see both of them just like laying flat out on the ring The Fiend Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman just laying flat out and at this point of course Roman Reigns hasn't even entered the match this is badass Roman Reigns by the way this is Re- Roman Reigns the- he doesn't play by your rules he plays by Roman Reigns' rules Roman Reigns will take your bitch let's, let's put everyone claro on this this quote version of Roman Reigns will take your bitch He'll take your bitch. Um, He plays by no one's rules. No bulletproof vest, by the way. No vest on Roman. Just the um, wreck everyone and leave t-shirt, which we fucking need now, by the way. I needed that like two weeks ago before he even came back. I did not know how much I needed that t-shirt before, right now. Um, And the music hits. He comes out with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman's holding the contract in his hand. It's still not been signed. Again, this is badass Roman Reigns right now. Again, Roman Reigns doesn't play by anyone else's rules. He plays by his own rules because he's Roman Reigns now. Signs the contract. Paul Heyman with this
1: villainous grin on his face with his new client. Just says, go on, go and do it. Off they here. And he just walks to the ring with an air of confidence, which we could all
0: probably do whilst talking to women. Let's be real. We have a little bit of a niggling doubt inside of us. But when you're going next to speak to a woman, you're approaching a woman, you want to, you know, you like her, you want to ask her out. Go with that exact same confidence as Roman Reigns had walking throughout the ring last night. Because I have not seen confidence like that for a long, long time. Um, everything about what he did there was just great. He just beat the living shit out of Broice Roman with a chair. He beat the living shit out of Bruce uh, not Braun Strowman, the Fiend with a chair could not put both of them away. By the way, the Fiend kicked out two times, three times. Braun Strowman kicked out again, and then the low blow to the Fiend, the spear to Braun Strowman, and this guy, we've had the redemption out with Roman Reigns. We've had it. We've had the comeback from you know when he unfortunately went away with leukemia. We've had Roman Reigns come back. We've had the delay of not seeing him as champ. We unfortunately didn't live, see him kick the living shit out of Goldberg at WrestleMania due to him being asymptomatic. And of course, his wife giving birth to twins. Um, but yeah, he's reclaimed the title that he never lost. And, <laughs> oh my God. When he just beat the living
1: shit out Braun Strowman with the chair and then said to the ref, count it, bitch. Count it, bitch. I marked out. I, I, I'm nearly 30 years old, and I marked out at that moment. Just
0: this is what we were just wanted to see. That's Roman Reigns, who isn't. He's never been. He's always been adverse to taking the shortcut and taking the easy way going forward. That's why we've never seen Roman Reigns with the money in the bro, brief briefcase. It's always been about building Roman Reigns up to the point where he overcomes all these obstacles. But at this point now, fuck it. Put him over. Put him with Paul Heyman. Just make him this, this guy who's hopefully going to have a 600-day reign as Universal Champion, where he overcomes all these obstacles. And it's just a complete and utter badass. Just, this is what we, this is, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. This is exactly, that sound like how I've This is exactly
1: what I've been waiting for. Um, yeah, just, just wow. It's been two awesome pay-per-views back-to-back from
0: WWE with SummerSlam and now Payback. And then, of course, we have Clash of Champions. We have Clash of Champions in, like, four weeks, which is going to be great to see. And it's going to be great to see some of the matchups going on against there as well. Um, But, yes, Roman Reigns, the new champion, the champion that reclaimed the championship that he never lost, with Paul Heyman by his side. And it's quite funny seeing... Badass heel, Roman Reigns, and psychotic, sociopathic, psychotic. I'm not too sure of the right word here. We'll get IT to check on that one. Seth Rollins being a heel on Raw. It's awesome. And then, of course, you've got John Moxley killing it on AEW, doing his thing there. So all three members of the Shield are absolutely flourishing right now. And it's great to see, especially if you are a a Shield fan like myself, but yeah, overall, pay per view was, was was great to see. It didn't feel too long. There weren't really any dull moments in the pay per view, possibly apart from uh, Riddle and Corbin that didn't really have a purpose, that oomph to it that you probably would want from a the match there. But but no, man. In terms of the storylines that this pay per view has set put forth going forward and the stuff it's resolved, it's 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 brilliant. It couldn't have gone better, and I'm really glad to be do. I'm really glad to be starting the pod at this point where we can monitor all this stuff going forward and take this journey forward forward to the next world rumble to hell in a cell to class champions survivor series etc going forward so so yeah i make that count at about 55 minutes that's about 10 minutes more than i thought i was going to go on i did not feel that i could uh fill an hour of time <laughs> but yeah i've um, i've managed to do that so if you've managed to stick around to the end, thank you so much for listening. Uh, It's massively appreciated. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited to be taking this journey, talking about one of the things that I love and just, just talking about wrestling with with, with all you guys, especially that I see on on, on my timeline that I talk to individually and just, just making this thing grow. So yeah, please bear with me in the meantime while I get all the things up and running and get this thing going off the ground. But Yeah, I'm massively looking forward to to making this into a regular occurrence and a big thing. So, yeah, again, thank you so much for sticking with me here till the end, and we'll ring the final bell. And that is the end of the debut episode of Taking the F Out Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. I have been your host, Dan Christian, at Mumba, at ChristianMamba24 on Twitter, and I will see you, hopefully this weekend,
1: Joined with the guests, so it's just not me filling out an hour for the next instalment. See you soon.